Welcome to Top Advisor Marketing, where you will learn how to become a prolific online influencer, attract more ideal clients, and grow your practice. Brought to you by Top Advisor Podcasting, a done-for-you podcasting solution built just for trusted advisors. And now, your co-hosts of Top Advisor Marketing, Kirk Lowe and Matt Halloran. Hello and welcome to another Top Advisor Marketing Podcast. Today, I am going to interview Kirk Lowe about the truth surrounding marketing ROI. We get asked this question all the time. Uh, There have been books written about marketing ROI, but we're really going to break it down in our world, in our opinion, with our thought leader here, Kirk Lowe. So Kirk, are you welcome to the show and are you ready to uh, dive into this, brother? I think I'm ready. I hope so. It's a topic that gets uh, a lot of chatter, a lot of consideration, maybe some miscommunication, misinterpretation, misaccountability. There's all kinds of interesting things that happen around this subject. I don't get asked as often as you might think I, I do mm-hmm. to ask about results, but I think more and more people maybe realize that good marketing is doing really good, smart things that are synergistic and results will come from the effort and the execution and being good at that. So we'll talk about all those concepts today in this uh, truth about marketing ROI. Well, let's, let's talk about what's worked and what is currently working. Yeah. I mean, I think it's fair to say that seminars have probably been one of the more successful uh, tactics in this industry. Uh, I think they still work, um, but I do think there are gaps. Uh, I think the gap is the fact that, you know, if you have a hundred people, say that they're going to attend a webinar, which which it sounds like great numbers, but really depends on how much you spend to get the 100, but which is usually a fair amount. But if only 10 of those people say they want to talk with you, five come into a meeting and three become clients, what happens to the other 97? You know, the first thing you're thinking of, what happened to the other seven that agreed to a meeting that didn't become clients? But what about the other 90 in addition to those seven? And how can we you know, bring them around. Now, what most, what happens in a lot of cases is they would get another invite to another webinar down the road. If your advisors probably switch out areas, but they're going to be some redundancy there, right? You want to milk the area, if you will. And so, you know, but there's gaps there about nurture. Um, Radio has had it. It's, you know, some glory too. Uh, Some well-deserved glory, but some well-deserved criticism. Right. So some kill it there, but they typically have to spend a lot of money. And over time, those audiences don't change a lot. So you it's kind of like uh, advertising or, or doing mail drops in an area. Eventually you exhaust that. Right. Uh, so there's limited audience, less control over the product in the radio. I heard a really neat story uh, a week or two ago from somebody that said they were doing radio. And they were one of the reasons they were so tired of it is because they were getting pushed by the radio station to, to do certain topics over and over again because they thought that their listenership were being more responsive. But what they were talking about wasn't what they wanted to be known for. It just happened to be what audiences were perking up to. So you kind of think, well, from a marketing perspective, shouldn't that be a sign? To this person, it was a sign that it wasn't the right or the best audience based on what they were talking about. So that that was a that's a problem. You can imagine spending a lot of money on radio and then you're being asked to talk about stuff that you don't want to be known for. So that there's all kinds of variables going on there, but it ended up being a, a difficult thing for, for that person. And he eventually stopped. Websites, you know, have been a, a huge push over the last 15, 20 years, I guess, really 15 
probably like 12 to 15 where they've been the biggest push where you know you had to need needed one in the last couple of years you know last five years have been you know you need to have a good one and typically how people have a good website now is they just use nicer pictures there's not i don't think there's necessarily a lot more substance in websites maybe there's some simplicity some simplicity in the in the templates that we use but certainly uh i don't think you know, some people have raised the bar, but I think the bar is really just now everybody has nice, beautiful pictures um, instead of real good content. Blogs have been something that, that's had an opportunity to work. They build credibility, but they're difficult uh, to get sales. And we know that video and podcasting are better at um, achieving results there. What's working now, I mean, seminar, you know, those things have worked in the past. I think seminars are still working. Like I said, I think we see a lot, we're seeing a a shift from radio to podcasting. I think the idea of what we talked about, micro-influence, but taking, focusing on an area and expertise, a niche uh, with your thought leadership and then finding a way to create a network and grow that network and then influence them through the same network. So for instance, we use LinkedIn. So, you know, find a way to invite a whole bunch of people who are ideal into your audience and then and then send a message with them every day about your thought leadership kind of creating that circle. So the synergy, what you want to do is try to find these synergies and we call it micro-influence. So those are some of the things that are working, things, some of the things that have worked but um, have have their issues. Would you mind defining or using or sharing your definition of, of micro-influence again? I, I think it bears repeating because it's something that uh, people need to hear a number of times before they truly absorb it. Sure thing. So a micro-influencer is a, an advisor or a company that owns a specific expertise for a specific audience in a specific region. So the idea is it's a micro version of becoming an influencer. So an influencer is known for a certain subject matter uh, with a particular audience in most cases and a much bigger scale. But to think an advisor wants to try to be an influencer on that scale is overwhelming and I think inaccurate and I don't think as, as efficient. In other words, it would take a lot longer to be known on that scale than it would be on a micro scale. So well, it's our, also horrifically expensive, isn't it? I mean, if you if you want to try to hit a national yeah, level of influence. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, versus a couple hundred thousand dollars over a five to ten year period, you would be looking at millions of dollars. And I'm not sure I guess the outcomes would be better, but you'd have a broader audience, which means you'd have more unqualified opportunities. I know this because I know some of these people and I know how I know what the leads are coming in and there there's a lot of effort qualifying people. I know in a micro influencer world there's more qualified people coming in the door. And there that's because you're trying to build relationships and people feel like they can build a relationship because you're in their region and you know they get you because of your niche and things more so it's it's a different that's uh, a slightly different approach on on a similar thing. But I think micro has a much more empowering for advisors to feel like they can move ahead and achieve that versus the the bigger umbrella, which is uh, just becoming an influencer, which is the topic that everybody talks about. Right. right. All these internet social gurus are everybody's talking about helping you become an influencer. And admittedly, the reason we changed it is because somebody called us out on that. <laughs> somebody on LinkedIn said, you had me until you said the word influencer. Yeah. I can't stand that word. And I said, me neither. I wrote him back and said, I can't stand that either. I also don't really love thought leadership, although I do love it in the context of um, 
being a micro influencer better, mm-hmm. but what else am I going to do? So that, that was the um, motivation to create the term micro influencer, which hopefully is more meaningful and less uh, offensive. <laughs> well, and it's sure what we've done. I mean, we, we, you and I have become micro influencers because we, we own a very specific vertical. I mean, our geographic uh, spread is, is a little larger than I think a lot of advisors would want, but, but yeah, so, so uh, proofs in the pudding with us. Now let's talk about the facts about ROI because return on investment and in how you truly uh, quantify success in marketing is something that, yeah, we, we don't get asked as much as we did previously. Um, part of that I think is because marketing a lot today has to do with types of communication, but let's go ahead and break down these different areas that you have. Yeah. So the, the spirit of this podcast and this conversation is really about when we think about marketing ROI, everybody has to take a piece of accountability and that's, that's the truth. That's what this podcast is about. The truth about ROI is that we're all involved and we all have to accept responsibility for moving this forward. So what I'm trying to say is that if, you, if you've hired a marketing company to do a job and what, what you've hired them to do makes a lot of sense, practical, um, good price, you know, synergistic, all those things. Once you get there, you have to understand that there's other factors in the success other than just the execution from that company. Now that company, you know, there's always room for everybody to improve, um, admittedly, uh, whether it's us or some or other firms that, that I've experienced or that you've experienced. But you have to accept these and listen to these points of accountability. And that's the, that's the reason for this. Isn't to blame anybody or not take accountability or to say that people aren't getting ROI. I think a lot of times people are getting more ROI than they recognize, which is a whole other uh, issue. But so let, let me dive into this. If you're, if you're out in the world marketing, it really helps if you're really good at what you do. What I mean by that is if you really know the strategies, the solutions, the realities, facts, figures, history, experience, I've done this, I've seen that, and you really understand your audience, and you're a good communicator, you're a good presenter, uh, you're charismatic, you, you're passionate. Charismatic doesn't need to be polished and fancy and, you know, GQ looks, or what would be the opposite of the GQ? I guess women are on GQ too, right? Just being uh, ultra attractive. It means, it means knowing your stuff, and it means being passionate about what you do. I think passion is probably one of the most um, likable things that the professional can bring to the table. I don't mean unbridled passion, maybe, but definitely controlled, uh, meaningful, uh, I, I really care about my work uh, kind of passion. And then the other thing is being able to generously share what you know. So being good at it. Um, having a lot of experience, expertise, being a good communicator, and then generously sharing that. I think those those impact marketing in a big way. If you get on a podcast and all you can really do is talk about, like I've had advisors, we've had advisors who've write, written white papers. And one of the things we try to get them to do is say, okay, talk about whatever your key point is. What, is it, what does that key point mean? So describe it or define it. The second question you want to answer is, or that we ask that they want to answer is what is the implication of not uh, of not doing this or of doing it if it's a mistake and so that's the second part and the third part is what should the reader what are steps that the reader can take to to begin to understand how to solve this 
And when we get there, most advisors, you know what they want to do? You got to talk to me. I said, no, 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 you can't. You can't just present a problem. And I know this because I've done this from a marketing perspective and people hate it. And again, I got challenged online many years ago. Always grateful to this day that the person on LinkedIn, I still remember their name and everything, that they challenged me because I realized that uh, from their perspective, I was selling in my content writing. I wasn't really generously sharing. So if you can find ways to, um, to answer the question, I mean, you can answer it in a way that it's kind of obvious that you're, you might be one of the solutions or a really good one. That's fine. But make sure that you don't just say, well, you got to talk to me. And that becomes a, a big part of um, sharing your value. Um, having a good team and a practice is huge, right? So making sure that um, the value that provide doesn't end with you, right? So that means you have to have an engaged, informed um, team, uh, people that are happy to be at work, bring joy to, their, to other people in the office and bring joy to clients. But at the same time, we're focused on being professional and having sharing value because being happy isn't, it's a good value to share. But, you know, let's talk, you know, the, the truth is, is this is financial people's financial plans and their life savings. So it's got to be go beyond, you know, just having happy people in your office. The next one would be having a great message or a brand. So is your story compelling? Is it, is it, does your audience, and sometimes advisors want, and want their cake and eat it too. I don't know if that's the right expression, but they want to go after one niche, but still feel like everybody else still gets that they can work with them because they don't want to give anything up to go after something they want more of. And it doesn't usually work that way. In fact, it doesn't work that way very well at all. If you want to go after a niche audience, just go for it. You know, we've told you many times on this podcast, you can create way more value with a focused niche than you ever could for working with 10 niches, right? Which isn't on a niche at all. Because you just can't be all everything to those people. But when you decide you're going to focus on a smaller niche, you can create so much value. It's difficult for other people to compete with you. And it's a difficult for people to say no to you because you, it's clear that you have that much more value. So when you have a great brand, a message, and a niche, um, that really helps your marketing be more successful. So just think about that. Every dollar that you spend on marketing is going to be more successful if you do these little things. And it's not just you. The marketing people that you're working with have to understand that too. If we're working with somebody who's got a horrible brand and message and we're implementing a podcast, you know, we have to be real and honest with those people too, right? So you got to got to think about that stuff. Um, another one is you got to have proof of brand. So if you're doing a podcast, you have white papers or you're doing radio or blog or you're doing seminars. Seminars aren't the best, aren't the best credibility, but these other ones are really good means that everything you say you are in your brand on your website, you can prove you know, a little further down the page by saying, hey, I've got my own blog. I've got my podcast. People can read and embrace the, your expertise. Those are huge indicators of credibility. I still find advisors really struggle with this. And it's because they just want to skip to the, my site looks really beautiful. I don't have time to prove it. So let me just grab a bunch of articles that make it look like I know what I'm talking about. And the truth is, is people know that you, you might not because they know, they can tell when you've got a whole bunch of articles that don't appeal to them. Because when you get a database, that's the way it goes. You know, maybe 20 to 30% uh, of those articles are highly relevant to the people that you want to work with. 
I guess if you work with everybody, those databases are fine. But that's not really any way to move forward in business, expecting great marketing ROI. And if that's where you're at, don't blame, you know, I shouldn't say don't blame anybody else, but look inwardly to get better there. People who are connected to more people can ramp up their marketing better and faster. So in other words, if you've been disregarding the fact that your 120 clients aren't all connected with you on LinkedIn and 50% of them are connected, you know, on Facebook and, you know, if you haven't done that work, that's a problem, right? You've got to leverage everything that's in front of you. If you've got prospects, everybody that's been to a seminar should be connected to you on LinkedIn or Facebook or whatever you want. Twitter. You know, you've got to connect with people. You've got to maximize every relationship that you have, whether it's a prospect, whether it's a center of influence or a client or a client's family. Oh, as many of those people as possible you got to connect with. Because then when you share a message, you get a much greater chance that somebody's going to share it, like it, be influenced by it. Those are absolutely critical factors. If you can get more people who you enjoy working with, looking at your stuff and sharing it and talking about it, that's huge. So one of the things that we've had to do here to compensate for that, not just compensate, but be more proactive, is our is using LinkedIn to, to boost connections. So like an invite campaign. So think about the fact that if you've got a whole bunch of these people already connected with you, now you're, you're ahead of the game. I feel like I'm monologuing here, Matt. Anything to add? You're rolling. I know you're, I don't really have anything to add. I, I just, I love, I love your flow. Keep flowing. Yeah, right. So the more people you're connected with, the better. That's going to absolutely help. So if you haven't maximized that, you know, take some time and figure it out. Find a way, maybe incent people. Make sure that it's part of your processes in your office. You know, assign, assign everybody to make sure that everybody's connected. Just do something. Do an audit of who's not, who's on which, you know. Um, but figure that out because it's really important. And even if you don't have a big digital campaign right now, you know you're going to have to be better at that in the future. So start planning ahead, right? If you're either, you know, you're an advisor who's not quite ready to invest as much in marketing, whatever it may be. Not that that's a good excuse, but it, I, it is a realistic one. I get, I get that. So having a niche, we already talked about how important that is. Another one is having an engaged network. So you always want to make sure you're sharing stuff online. You're not bombarding them because then they're going to dis, disengage, right? So treat people in your network really well. Build them, but treat them really well. Uh, try to be generous with what you share. Try to make it authentically, you know, stuff that comes from you instead of confusing them with stuff that's written by other people. There's nothing wrong with building on what somebody else shared, but don't just share what somebody else did as if you don't have any commentary on it. You've got to take, you've got to, you've got to own the expert, your expertise. So if you share something somebody else said that was really smart and maybe to think you can't word any better, make sure that people understand why you feel that way before you post it. So don't do a lazy share. It doesn't really help. In fact, I'm, I'm constantly, a voice in my head is telling myself, when you like something, what are you really doing? You're not any adding any value to the conversation. So I'd like to start ch challenging myself now to comment if I'm going to do anything versus like. Another one is to consistently do the little things. I just listed a whole bunch of things. Some of those are little, some of those are a little bit bigger. But to be great at marketing, you can't just show up once every six months and decide you're going to put some effort into this. It's got to be consistent. So here's the trick. 
don't do more than you can. If you know you've got six things that have to happen in marketing before this thing is humming along, but you know you'll kill yourself if you try to do six at once, plan it out. Do two in the first 90 days, two in the second, two in the third. You know, when you're when you're at the 270 mark, you're good to go. Don't, you know, plan ahead and do things well and stop worrying about it. It doesn't mean you shut off marketing, but if you've got things, steps to improve it, put those on your list and just chip away at them. Don't overwhelm yourself because that's not a good way to be consistent, right? Another one is um, to make sure that you have access to um, an audience. So make sure that you understand your audience so you know where to find them, you know how to grow them. And you also want to make sure that the people that you're connected with know who your audience is so they can share, introduce those people. So those are all really good things. If you can do those things, you will boost the marketing ROI that you're getting from campaigns that you run internally with your team, or if you're outsourcing some of your marketing, those will all help boost your ROI. And they're really, really critical. One of the things um, that I forgot to mention, just remember now, is is talking about your marketing all the time. If you've got a blog and you're really proud of the effort you put into your blog, do not keep it a secret. Talk about it with every time a a prospect, a call happens, talk about it when you're in meetings with clients. Make sure that your centers of influence know to share that blog with their people. Like, Make sure that everybody knows about it and that you're proud of it. And if you're not proud of it, then go back and do the work to make sure you are. Because those things... When you talk about things, you create hype and expectations around it, and you influence people in a very powerful way to engage in your marketing. And that is one of the most important things, because if people aren't engaged in your marketing, then your marketing's not going to work. So you can control that in a really wonderful way. So make sure you're talking about that all the time. It is not at all difficult to add a protocol that in every single meeting that you have with a client, that you have a conversation about, hey, have you been listening to my podcast lately? What have you liked? Oh, I, 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 you know what? I just keep forgetting. I, I don't know how to subscribe. Oh, well, let me give me your phone. Let me show you how to do that. Or, you know, when you're, when you're leaving the office, just ask John you know, at the front desk, you know, how to, how to do that because he's great with technology and he'll, he'll give you a quick little lesson. Or we've got a little video on our website where we're teaching clients how to do that. So I'll send that to you so you can, you can do it yourself. Just little things like that are so huge. But if you're not talking about clients, then how can you expect them to, to believe and buy into what you're doing? So well, I, I love what you you said there because you know people are going to feel that level of 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 contagious energy, and also uh, when you are in a client meeting and the client asks you a question, you can reference the podcast. Hey, you know what? It's funny that you bring that up because I just did a podcast. I just wrote a blog on that. I just shot a video on that. I'm going to answer that for you right now, obviously, because we're sitting here meeting. But you know that then you do. They ask about them to subscribe. You also said something too about you know if you aren't proud of your marketing or if you're not loving what you're doing, it could be that you're doing the wrong thing. You know if you if you have started a podcast and you freaking hate doing it, stop doing it. Right? If you love writing and you're proud of it and you love to do it, do it. You have to find something that that really truly highlights your personality and is something that you're passionate about because we talk about podcasting all the time, Kirk, because we freaking love it, right? And so we're going to be more apt to do that. The more you love your marketing, the more you're going to get out there and the more you're going to talk about it. One of the trends I've seen recently that 
I don't, I'm not sure I really get it, but I see it a lot. So there must be something to it is the uh, car seat vlog. Have you seen those? Like where everybody, every, some, everybody's in their car and they decide that's when they're going to do their, their video or their topic. I just can't think, I guess it's a quiet place and there's no distractions, although, and they're not driving, thankfully, <laughs> but I see those quite a bit now where people are actually sitting in their car, turn on their iPhone, must have a, a little gimmick to hold it on the dashboard and they're doing that. And that, that's, those are temporal, you know, desktop ones make a lot more sense to me, but those videos have been there. You can tell people really love doing those. And so if it works for you, get her done. All right. Closing statements before we wrap up today's podcast. What do you got for everybody? I, I think I just give um, everything I had. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Dude. I, I love it when you give everything it, you have. If we summarize it, I think it's really just about um, taking accountability for ways that you can, little things that you can do on a consistent basis that make a big difference in marketing. Yeah. And just take accountability for that. Um, just like everybody in your world should take accountability for what their roles are in your success. Amen to that, brother. All right. Well, if you have not subscribed to the podcast, make sure you do that. If you have not given us a review on iTunes, please do that too. And if you have any guest ideas or topics you'd like us to cover, all you have to do is email me at matt at topadvisorm, and that M is for marketing.com. Thank you. Thank you very much. If you guys want to follow uh, more of our thought leadership in a different format, uh, following us on social media, especially LinkedIn, is the best place to do it. So follow Kirk Lowe or Matt Halloran. So for everybody at Top Advisor Marketing, this is Matt Halloran, and we'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. Are you ready to change the way you communicate with your clients? Are you tired of being the best kept secret in your area? Learn how to become a prolific online influencer, attract more ideal clients, and grow your business. Contact us today and see what the power of podcasting can do for your business. Click on the Contact Us link on our website at topadvisormarketing.com and set up a call to learn more. Follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook for more updates and information. This was brought to you by iris.xyz a platform helping financial professionals become better in business and life through new media and new voices. Visit them and learn more at iris.xyz.